0: Hello folks. You are listening to Rewriting Our Future, A Mind Control Exodus with me, Paul Henning. Join us on our journey as we explore and actively work to deprogram ourselves from the forces in the world that socially engineer our lives. Are the politicians, doctors, scientific experts, and news anchors telling us the truth? Is school, pop culture, social media, and television programming supporting the development of our highest consciousness, healthiest bodies? and most sovereign selves? The more we research and listen to our intuition, the more we find that this answer is a loud and resounding no. And so, we are rewriting our future to opt out of the mind control these forces tirelessly aim to manipulate and coerce us with. Welcome to the show, where we are all figuring this out together. What's up everybody? I'm really excited to introduce today's episode. I speak with Isabella Malbin of the Whose Body Is It podcast and thewhosebodyisit.com. Isabella is a wealth of resource when it comes to understanding and explaining the influences in place that are facilitating basically female erasure in many forms, whether we're talking about the transgender ideology, the porn and prostitution, the surrogacy industry, or the transhumanist agenda. Her show is just an incredible resource um, to learn about so much of the stuff. So it's a real privilege to have her on today. We talk about how she got into this work, into this women's activism and where her journey was coming from the more politicized liberal side and how she was kind of woken up and moved forward. We talk about what the transhumanist um, agenda kind of is and why she feels it's important to speak up about a lot of these issues even in the face of tons of adversity and to really orient her life around it. We discuss a little about what she hopes to achieve moving forward. And she listens to me discuss some of my thoughts as well and why I really appreciate the work that she's doing and how it's really affected my life um, for the better. Hope you enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to this next episode of Rewriting Our Future, A Mind Control Exodus. I am most blessed to have today one of my favorite content creators and truth tellers of like the last 13 months since I found out about her. Um, we have Isabella Malvin here at Whose Body Is It? And Isabella is the host of the Whose Body Is It podcast and website where she exposes the forces at play attempting to control our minds, such as the transgender ideology, pornography, prostitution, and so much more. She is a life coach, hypnotist and former liberal feminist turned radical truth teller. So thank you so much for being here. And how are you today, Isabella?
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm I'm doing OK. I'm in New York City at the moment, sunny and beautiful mm. and happy to, happy to have this conversation.
0: Cool. Yeah, thanks. I was wondering where you are. I know you're I know you're based in Texas, I think, but you're always jet setting, and doing stuff. Um, yeah, currently we live in, my wife and I live in Virginia. Um,
1: okay, cool.
0: So it's pretty, pretty quiet out here. But uh, yeah, so just to get into it, um, will you tell us a little bit about your journey that led you to becoming the powerful women's rights activist that you are today?
1: Oh, well, um, it started, you know, I would say I was indoctrinated into like postmodernism and super like what's called progressivism, you know, um, just growing up in New York City, growing up in Greenwich Village, going to, you know, art schools and conservatories and just always being in like an art kind of like supposedly most open-minded crowds. Um, And I kind of stumbled into doula work in my early 20s, um, just really trying to make more money per hour to support my my art, the art that I was making at the time. (laughs) Um, And I totally fell in love with that work. I liked working with women. I liked having a direct impact. Um, I liked the education uh, aspect of it. I liked the, you know, the one-to-one care that comes with, you know, serving women so intimately and families. And, um, along with, you know, that, that pursuit of that work, uh, came a lot of, um, what's kind, what's called cultural competency components of these of programs so for example in 2016 I was you know my doula training was uh, in Brooklyn New York and before we even got into the cascade of hormones that happen in birth and what birthing women need and breastfeeding and it was like we don't use the words woman and mother anymore we say birthing people menstruating human uh they had mentioned this awful awful letter that had been circ circling uh the midwifery and doula world uh protesting the erasure of women in language i mean they didn't phrase it like that and i was just totally brand new to everything and these were my trainers you know these are the women who i was coming to learn from um and yeah at the time i just couldn't think of anything like why that would be wrong you know, like, obviously I knew that men technically couldn't give birth, but it was like, cool to have this idea, like to be able to share this like radical information that like, did you know that not all uh, people who give birth are women, you know? So I just went along with it. And um, that was, that was like my, my start. Um, Yeah. My getting into the doula world and kind of like, you know, in the backdrop of my life being like, New York city art world, um, eager to please, eager to empathize, uh, eager to help. Um, and I, I thought it was like helpful. I thought it was like a good thing to, yeah to be inclusive as it's, as it's framed. What could be wrong mm-hmm. with being inclusive?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. You found yourself, you know, in that world, in the birthing world, um, when there's a there's a lot of ways that people try to fund their art, but you were drawn towards women's work already. Mm -hmm. Um, What brought you to that type of calling?
1: I had always taken an interest in babies and I I kind of was babysat with um, many other children the the woman who took care of me was the wife of the superintendent of of my mom's apartment building. My mom went back to work after six weeks Mm -hmm. and this woman grew up on a kibbutz and it's just a very like communal kind of caretaking always kids of different ages around and so i i grew up learning how to fold by the time i was like five you know just like learning how to do yeah. a very orderly um systematic like housekeeping homemaking kind of you know right things um and yeah, I just loved as an only child, I just I just nothing I wanted nothing more than a little baby brother or sister. I never got one, but um hmm. yeah, I just loved yeah. babies. I loved and then as I got older, yeah, you know, like my early teens I became a mother's helper. Um yeah, I just like the intimacy and the connection and the simplicity and um like the love ideally that exists in that in that um in that space.
0: Yeah. It is really special. I I think that that's, you know, I don't know if this is tied into the whole agenda or anything, but there's definitely a a disconnect between people and babies these days. You know, like there's like the cliche where you hand someone a baby. I think maybe, you know, a couple of decades ago and my dad, it used to be like, you hand a man a baby. He's like, Oh goodness. What do I do? Ooh, Mm -hmm. You know? But I think even now there's this thing where it's like you hand a woman a baby and she's like, Oh goodness, what do I do? And I don't know. um, That's part of it. But I, you know, I had a, My little brother was born when I was 14 and from the same parents. And so I like it was really rare for me. I realized to grow up in my teenagehood with a little baby on my Mm. hip, you know, and now my brother Mm. is going to college at the town next to us. But um, I always felt incredibly blessed when I as I got older that I whenever I was around and someone had a baby, I was never afraid to, to hold it. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, even as like women I dated or even my wife, you know, mm-hmm. people are like, Oh, a baby. And I'd be like, give me that baby. And it was, people are always like, oh wow. You know? Um, but that's like a normal, a normal, this should be a normal part of our life to be able to connect with each other and with babies. Um, which I think ties into somehow part of your mission, you know, um, where we're now being so disconnected from birth and children and each other. Um, yeah, it's, It's crazy. Um, yeah, what? So you, you know, you started off thinking it was like trendy to be in the space where it's like, you know, men can have babies too. like, you know, look at me on my soapbox or whatever. But Mm -hmm. then something happened that um, off ramped you to a whole different world.
1: Yeah, it was it was a sequence of many things. You know, I think, you know, in my I was going through my own kind of like distrust of the establishment and of medical providers and my own health journey and kind of simultaneously seeing like the abuse in hospital birth and, in, in like what, you know, it's called like industrial birth systems, industrialized birth. Um, and I was just starting to see like inversions everywhere, you know, like, and for like things like, um, women being told if she didn't, you know, um, like if, if, if she wanted to have the cord, you know, like, not clamped immediately it could kill the baby like just like out of like beyond not evidence-based but just like opposite world like no, actually your baby needs this blood totally fictional right
0: yeah and
1: i would just come home from these births and just like cry and just be like what like just try to regain like what just happened like i i know this is a table right this is still a table right that i'm that i'm touching that Hmm. my computer is sitting on um so uh I also started to notice like the use of euphemisms um, like belly birth, for example, was one that's really popular. Um, fed is best. Mm. Um, these are all like Fed is best. For example, it was like made up by, you know, it's like, it's to promote formula companies. It's to, it's to, you know, under oh, the wow. guise of like um, we don't want to make you feel bad. And we don't want to make any woman feel bad because she can't breastfeed. It's okay. We have all these alternatives for you. And, and at the end of the day, Fed is best. At least your baby isn't starving you know, uh, rather than looking at, you know, the connection between industrialized birth and negative breastfeeding outcomes, rather than looking at society, rather than, you know, like looking out, it's like, no, we have the solution. And then the belly birth is also, you know, just another way to, um, it's a euphemism for a major abdominal surgery in which the baby is removed Mm -hmm. from a woman's uterus. Like, and that's a long thing to say. I mean, even C-section is a bit, it just doesn't encompass actually what, the process mm. is. Um, so yeah. yeah, I started to kind of poke at those and I was also starting to critique hormonal birth control. So that was a huge part of it too. I was saying, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, like all these synthetic hormones, what do they do to the body? How come nobody ever told me? How come nobody ever told you? Like, and then, and then, a, the vaccine stuff came around that time. Um, and so by the time, yeah, I feel like I had to have had those openings like before, the trans stuff. I don't know that the trans stuff could yeah. have come first um, because I still had mm, a bit yeah. of a like uh, everything with like, there was still just so much abstraction that I was dealing with. And so once I started to see like material harm and abuse in these other realms, I was like, Oh my gosh, here we go again.
0: Right. Yeah. It makes sense that it's like, it's the way people see things like from a, from like an audience perspective, looking at someone like a journey like yours or anyone we, you know, I think it's easy to be like, well, it's just one thing like overnight, ter- like people use the term overnight success, right? For people in this, like, well, my overnight success is 15 years in the making. And so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. That the same thing happened to you with like your overnight uh, awakening was really like a stacking and stacking and stacking, you know, um, and you had the I guess it would be like the, in- the insight or the intuition or the conscience to not just ignore and accept these obviously harmful practices and ideas. But, you know, I say obviously harmful, but for many people, they're not obvious, even though it's like literally, it's harming someone right in front of you. It goes against all of your natural intuition. It goes against maybe what your grandma would have done or whatever, but you, we still just do it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, why do you think that, people, or in your case, the women around, and men by extension, of course, why do you think that we would go along with these ideologies that are antithetical to our best interests? Like you were saying, it wasn't just that it was wrong, it was was harmful, you know? So why do people go along with things that are obviously harmful?
1: Well, I think they think it's, I mean, the empathy, I think, like, to yeah I mean I think if you're the more empathetic you are and the more interested you are in like defining your identity on like being a helper yeah the the easier it is to fall into it, and that's why you have all the social justice warriors like who I think somewhere right. in there have a desire to make change and to do good things and who have amazing qualities like if that were directed towards. Maybe something, but like something else. But yeah, Seriously. I think I think like young women are prone to it. I think because the way that we've been socialized and and perhaps even the way that we are like you know like by mm. nature. Um, and uh, I could understand why you know it's really painful to sit with the ways that we are like that we haven't progressed like as a sex class, like how you know children are suffering, sure. how families are suffering. Uh, how specifically women are suffering worldwide, you know, like we like to think, oh, they have the problems over there, but like, we're, we're okay here. And certainly, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone personally who was a child bride and for that I'm, you know, grateful. So there is a degree of like abuse and, um, socialized and, you know, like mandated like abuse that happens, but, um, depending on where you are in the world, but, and your socioeconomic status. But yeah, I think. I think it was um, I think women like to take a break from their own pain. And, and also one thing that I saw in the doula trainings, which I don't think was specific to mine, which is that a lot of women who have um, had really violent industrial births will then become doulas and like try to rewrite Mm. their stories, but they're going into the same traumatic like scenario. It's like, it's, it's, most masochistic like it's it you're just like you just keep ramming into the same wall over and over and over um so i think yeah i think also not being able to resolve your own trauma it makes sense why people want to then think that they're resolving someone else's you know trauma so um yeah but i think mostly just empathy the propaganda is so strong like you actually are like I want to be a part of something good.
0: Right. It makes sense what you're saying. You know, I, I called this, this podcast, like rewriting our future, a mind control exodus. And I sat for a while and I'm like a mind control exodus. That sounds like, that sounds kind of intense, like hyperbolic, you know, and I'm not, um, the community that I kind of <laughs> am talking to here is like people in my life, really, I don't have like a huge platform. And so like a lot of my normal community don't really consider like the TV as mind control propaganda but it's true what you're saying you know and so like the idea that we our empathy can is like being weaponized and mm-hmm. when you start to like click up um we all know like people will do all kinds of things just for the sake of the group you know um and so it is it makes sense what you're saying that it, without resolving the inner and to be like i need to fix my first like i'm a helper i'm mm-hmm. a fixer but I, the, what we need to do often is fix our own stuff, but it's, we don't have the tools. And so we just mm-hmm. point it out. It's like an exoteric uh, healing rather than an esoteric yeah. healing. And it can just be co-opted and there's mm-hmm. just people waiting. They're like, they're waiting to uh,
1: yeah,
0: take advantage. Um, and,
1: and also the element of like having pay, like not wanting to be embarrassed. Like having paid for this yeah. training like let's just say there was a part mm-hmm. of me that was like this is weird like there was a black woman there who was calling herself indigenous to spirit you know saying that she doesn't mind if we call her uncle you know hmm. she was a lot older she'd had a lot of like lot like a lot more life experience sure you know and i was like you know even if even if I did feel like, what am I going to do? Like, I've just told everyone in my life that I'm going to become a doula. I've paid for this expensive training. I'm so excited. Like, am I really gonna redirect and like question everything? And like, you know, I just, I wanted to get what I wanted to get. And I, and I wasn't questioning at that point at all. It's not, it wasn't an issue, but I imagine if there were any women in that training who were kind of like, uh, you know, what are they going to do? Walk Mm -hmm. out. You know, maybe, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the embarrassment, like sitting with um, the, the discomfort of Mm -hmm. having made a mistake. Um, And it's also, I think, just disturbing to, to think that, I I don't know, I feel like when I, when I kind of woke up to the horrors of industrial birth and vaccines, it was a real depressing time. Like, I'm like, oh, no one's coming to save me. Oh, everything I've been told right. is a lie. Oh, like my mom was preyed upon to give me all <laughs> oh these God. injections that made me very sick. Like, yeah. oh, that's depressing. Um, that's not an easy thing to sit with. You know, most people don't want to no. just like ruminate on that uh, right. all day long. So
0: Yeah, for months or the rest of their life or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I talk about it every single day on a podcast. But yeah, yeah. so I think...
0: Mm-hmm. And I think That's, some people think it makes sense. Just, you know, I mean,
1: no, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Oh, I mean, interrupt. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I was in the military in the United States military, and now, you know, as I have continued to learn about all these things that are tied together, like you're saying about like how intergenerational social engineering, like it's when I think about my time in the military and the things that I promoted or the things that I would have done. Mm -hmm. that were, I mean, it feels the same in a way to what you're talking about. Like, now I look back and I would be like, good God, how, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but you don't want to be rude. You don't want to make a fool of yourself. You could always also be wrong. Um, And so it's so easy to be, you know, even for articulate, insightful people that were raised by healthy, bright parents or whatever. It's, it is really easy to have your whole Vibe and your whole ideology and your life path is co-opted by a system like that, you know. Even mm-hmm. for those of us who consider ourselves like astute and well-read mm-hmm. and philosophical, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. All the money my mom spent on my education, my my education, like that sucks.
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or like your student loan yeah. debt, you know, whatever. It's it's
0: yeah.
1: It's it's a hard. It's hard. Like oh, yeah. Just mm-hmm. like I thought of like your parents, your loved ones, are you like working your ass off to pay for some institution? That's totally Mm -hmm. trying to like destroy your sex-based rights. It doesn't,
0: it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's part of the, like how they, they capture us is by getting us so invested. You know, I heard Mm -hmm. someone talk the other day and they were like, they were like, you know, why aren't the, why aren't these COVID people like giving up about the vaccines? Like they're just going so hard. They like won't give up. You know and someone was saying wait till the next wait till like 20 years when the kids that have been transitioned now with their gender are like who knows what's going to happen i'm not trying to like manifest evil but like just looking ahead it seems like these people are going to be dying in their 40s or having horrible horrible lives attached to big pharma or like just serious personal um depression issues and so those parents who may have been transitioning their children and are transitioning their children now, they are not going to be able to let it go. They're Mm -hmm. just going to have to double down. Like you said, just hit the wall over and over and there's what ramming their head into the wall because they made a decision that is life-changing for someone that they love. And so if they don't, how do you ask forgiveness for ruining someone's life? It's like, if I was still in the military, I would probably have to be like, no, it's really the United States military is a force for good. You know, like you just, and so it's – uh, yeah, it's like some – it just depends on how deep you go. And once – maybe there's a line where once someone gets you where you're so invested and you've caused harm to others to such a degree, you can't turn around, you know, which is so powerful about your friend Kay Yang, who is open about, you know – I mean, I saw her on Fox News Instagram the other day. Yeah. Where They were like, deep – you know, this woman says – and, of course, they picked the most, like – annoying thing to put about her, but they said, uh, a quote where she was like, I led children down this path and now I am sorry, you know? Um, and that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Yeah. Like people can't say that, you know, I mean, people can't just be like, Oh my God, I was wrong. And then like weep for like a month and then be like, okay, now I have to build my whole life again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so When I was in college, after I got out of the military, I studied human evolutionary biology, basically, which is, you know, university system. It's like good for nothing except here chatting with you, basically. So it was worth that, I guess. Um, And so I was always had an interest in uh, in human evolutionary biology and social biology and um, how things have changed over the generations. You know, I really studied a lot about the what now i now i just question everything i don't even know what's real anymore cuz i've been like so like cracked open the last few years where i'm like i don't know but what i what i believe for a long time about like the uh what i still believe you know about the evolution of human love and relationships and it's like this really cool thing that i could like go off about for half an hour but i won't but it talks this idea is something that i studied for years and i shared with people and it's about you know if we if we acknowledge the model that we all there were apes that were great apes, and we evolved from the great apes and stuff, if you look at the social dynamics and the genitalia of the great apes, you can tell a story that leads humans to, um, to love with a baby. And it's this really, it's really incredible. Um, and then this transgender thing started to really pop off. For the public the average person me a couple years ago basically around the same time of covid and so i was starting to read more content about it because i'm like huh i've been studying you know human sexual dynamics and relationships for a long time and none of this like makes any sense Mm -hmm. you know it just doesn't make sense and then i heard that there was a book banned from target by a woman named abigail schreier right and so i got irreversible damage and my wife and i laid in the grass at our house we used to have and we read it out loud to each other and it was so powerful, and she really ends it in a really beautiful way. Um, and then a couple years later, I got put onto your show last year. And so I was primed. Like, I, like, was waiting for your content, you know, because I, I had done all the prereqs. Um, I feel like your podcast is, like, a graduate study in human sexual evolution, biology, and stuff. Uh, but I can imagine there's a lot of people who ask you constantly, why don't you just leave it alone? You know, why are you making part of mm-hmm. your life's mission to uh, blow up the transgender thing? And how, how do you respond to those people?
1: Because it really isn't just about the trans thing. It's about our vulnerabilities. It's about our, you know, preserving our, our like, humanness. And, like, this does feel like life or death. Like what we're facing, what we're in, it it does feel life or death. I mean, we're talking about like amputating healthy body parts, and mm-hmm. all participating in a mass like performance and charade, um, and testing the limits of each other's boundaries to manipulate. It just it just seems so dangerous um, to to not. Mm-hmm like to let it get any worse and um and i would i would have stopped if i didn't think what i was doing wasn't working like if i didn't think i was having an impact and minds were changing um i would have stopped um and that's why i stopped making art because i was like i don't think Mm -hmm. i can say what i want to say with this medium Mm -hmm. i don't think i can do what i think my mission is and I don't know why, but it just felt like I, I just hit a. I gave up because mm. I was like, I don't think I'm getting done what I need to get done. My my, my yeah, my mission is not right. being fulfilled here, and I didn't know what the mission was going to be or whatever. But, and it you know it's always evolving. But yeah, I, I I think it's important to the reason why I keep going and doing it is because um, I think our humanity is, is at stake, and it encompasses so much. I, I just find it endlessly fascinating. Um, you know, like right now I'm hosting this series on. Uh, I'm, I host, I'm hosting a woman named Jennifer Law, who's a big fertility whistleblower, you know, so just another tentacle of the medical industrial complex that sure. you know, preys on this, this infertility crisis that we're in, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I go, I have started to expand classes and, and content um, in other realms, but they they always seem to intersect with the trans stuff for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answers, Mm -hmm. hope that answers your question.
0: It does. It does because it's, it's all encompassing. You know, I think on the surface people say like, just let people live. Like, you know, I got my, this woman I work with, her daughter is trans and you know, what you're going to call them out when we go to the family, like the picnic or whatever. And, and so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are, are, they don't understand the scope, you know? And so what you're saying is that the, the superficial level of how it is like manifesting to the average person is like the tip of the iceberg. And so it's not about just attacking these individuals who have been Mm -hmm. like socially engineered, you know? Because if it's about the agenda that is coming for all of us once you realize that it's connected to like everything. I mean, I just see the, uh, I see it everywhere. You know, I work right now 100% remote, but I work for like a a big app, Um, Mm. and it's an app in the healthcare industry that I won't say. But I, the longer you know, the more I absorb this content, the more I see where the corporate world is going and the health corporate world. And I come to work some days, and I, you know, I I try to help people the best I can without getting involved but i'm attached i'm attached myself to the transgender uh agenda and the erasure of female rights and even like modern day racism and stuff with like hiring practices now they're eliminating people that look like me pretty much um these like covert things and so i'm like i'm living in that world but i can feel um the more I read and the more I, I understand how deep it all is, the more it makes me uncomfortable at my day job. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is part of something I wanted to ask you at the end too. We'll get to, but like, I know that I'm coming to this moment where I have enough like courage and decency to get a paycheck that hasn't been co-opted by like, you know, the world economic forum or whatever. Um, but yeah, it makes sense. It It must be really frustrating for you to have people like, hate on you and point at you in your face about things that are just like the top most superficial layer of the agenda right because you can't just explain to someone in the street the whole thing how do you deal with that
1: it depends on who i'm talking to like i mean how do i deal with the frustration i just i just remember that i was like that that i you know was totally under mind control and i was like i remember women that i was training with i was teaching reproductive health workshops and they were like I had bought this book called Sweetening the Pill by this woman um, Holly Grixball, and it's all about exposing you know, the dangers of hormonal birth control and they mm. were like oh did you know she's a turf mm. and I was like oh mm. no and I then she no, was no. off she just was like crossed off the list just mentally just mm-hmm. goodbye you're out yeah. like can't read your book definitely can't no I had already read the book but I like definitely can't share your book good to know Mm -hmm. you're a turf you know um right so i remember that i was like that like i remember the knee-jerk reactions i i try to assume that the average jane or joe you know has the best of intentions you know like if i were confronted with a transhumanist like a real transhumanist like i don't know what the hell i would say like that would be freaking scary but like
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: when i'm talking to people or when i see comments online and um i remember i also know that like you know having interviewed so many detrans women i know that that, you know, that even if they're employing like narcissistic or like bullying tactics in the online sphere or like, or in their lives, like they were previously, like I also know that they were in a lot of pain, you know? And like, I just remind myself that these are people who, some of them, not all, but like, I would say the majority of them are in a lot of like mental agony. And like uh, one woman put it simply, she was like, it's exhausting to lie all the time. Like these people are lying all the time Gosh. to themselves to yeah. everyone around them it's insane like so i just remember that Seriously. yeah i try to just see them as victims um and pawns in this whole mm-hmm. thing and i i really do not try to focus on individuals like i i just try to do the top you know talk about the top down that this is an industry yeah. or industries um rather than but uh, but then also like i don't have much empathy for like a grown man who's screaming that he's a woman like i'm not really that interested in thinking right. about his like life struggle um if he's like jacking off in the women's yeah.
0: bathroom
1: so i have boundaries around like, right
0: well committing you know, violence I, it, yeah
1: yeah and like are we talking about a little boy a little girl are we talking about an adult woman are we talking mm-hmm. about an adult man you know and mm-hmm. say like trans people um this just doesn't mean anything
0: yeah
1: it's not specific so, um, yeah, yeah, I guess it depends on who it's coming from mm-hmm. and what the context is.
0: Mm-hmm. How I respond Yeah, to. it's cool. You, you brought up the thing about the person lying all the time, you know, like we grew up hearing the truth will set you free, you know, as a cliche. But it's true. I think about my job, for example, I think, man, if I told the truth, I would get fired and then I would be free to explore income that wasn't antithetical to my soul, you know. Um, and I've been learning more about natural law lately, there's a couple content creators, there's this guy named Mark Passio on a website, what on earth is happening. And he's like, basically, he just says that natural law is what we all need, and the world will be free of this enslavement. And, you know, the idea is that, uh, not that you don't know already, but I'm just gonna explain it. But the idea is that the amount of like, slavery, that we are experiencing as a culture, and the amount of chaos is just directly proportional to the amount of uh, morality we are living. And it's, it's, it's just, it's like karma, you know? And so the when you look around in the streets of New York city, like that is a reflection of the collect, the aggregate morality. And one of the first ways to, and we're not talking about like Christian morality or whatever, mm-hmm. we're just talking about a natural law morality, like the, the, the way that humans If you if you commit harm on someone else through like theft or lie or coercion or physical harm or sexual harm, that morality, um, objective morality that is not dictated by borders or man or whatever. Um, And so lying is like the one of the lowest ways on the totem pole that you can oppose natural law. And of course, the one of the worst ways is to commit like sexual violence towards children, which is literally Mm -hmm. happening all around us with with, Mm -hmm. that's like part of what your show is talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's a it's a good reminder for a lot of us what you're saying about the truth, because it's like, well, I don't have a hospital that, you know, I don't have deep. I don't I don't transition children. Mm -hmm. I don't promote, Mm -hmm. you know, but do we do we lie? Um, And I can see you like uh, on your show, like you have and the people that you surround yourself with um you're like radical truth tellers there's a consequence to the truth when the world is filled with liars um yeah and so it's it's a it's a good reminder for myself that there is always work to do if i can't if i'm not like equipped you know, if I can make excuses that I'm not equipped to go against whatever industry I don't like, the military, the medical, pharma, or, you know, food or whatever, the, the very least I can do is start, for God's sakes, like, tell the fucking truth about something um, when the opportunity arises. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, there's yeah i've been listening to your show for a while listening to some of the people that you engage with my wife goes to matriarch rising and then she comes back and she has all these other content creators that are just like blowing my mind and um you know y'all are you're really defining what a woman means and for the to use the cliche of the whole matt walsh thing but every you know i hear you all talking not to just like lump you together but i mean like truth tellers especially in the woman space right i'm not trying to say you're not individual for other creators but i just mean the women that i've been listening to over the last couple of years and uh, i'm trying to get emotional it's really weird i wasn't expecting that but you know as you all have defined what a woman is it and what it means to be a woman in the in the ancestral sense and the real sense and the sense that is aligned with like whatever God you believe in a natural law and healthy human society, like without suffering. Um, my reverence for womanhood has, it's just like, like it's just gone off the charts, you know, and my wife and I want to ha- start a family soon. And so I look at her and I, uh, she's just like glowing based on what I know, now uh, that the world has tried to take a- away from me through porn and the, the in- industries and hospital birth, you know, and I lost my mom uh, a year and a half ago, mm. you know, before I really was able to go down this road, and so I, it's like I'm so I'm like upset that I wasn't able to uh, to get so red pilled that I could give my mom the respect that she deserves, you know. Um, but I don't want to like hold that against myself because that's not going to help anybody. You know, I can still like talk to her and I can reflect that respect to all women. Um, and thanks for that. Uh, that was kind of yeah. unexpected, but it's Sorry really amazing. To hear about your mom. It's, yeah. it's Thank you. And, um, part of the drama, the part of the thing is that I think it was related to, uh, big pharma, too, which I won't get into because I don't have like proof, but it's just compounding insanity, you know. Um, But, you know, so like listening to your show, now I've gone down this like, the pornography thing, there's people I listen to that I heard from you about the pornography thing, right? And I never really had a serious problem with that. Fortunately, my whole life, I never but I was, you know, I'm a millennial. So here I am. It wasn't outside of my life, but I Mm wasn't ever like addicted or anything. But since I've been, you know, part of your content, that's been completely removed from my, my life. Um, and I mean, it's just so amazing. Like I feel that, what am I trying to say now that I can have more respect for half of the population, my life, there's more like joy in my life now Mm. because I can like see through the, the, all this propaganda that makes me want to devalue my, my humans and the women and, you know, the sisters in my life that, um, and so it's been really refreshing, you know, but the, the part that is really powerful is that by you and your colleagues defining what it means to be a woman, it has defined uh, what it also means to be a man. Even if you don't really talk about men that much, because it's like, I don't know what the word is, like thesis or something. It's like definition by defining what it is not. And so I have a clearer idea of my role in not only my marriage, but my community and stuff um, based on y'all's work. And so it's like clarifying the lanes of responsibility and power that everyone is supposed to take. Uh, and I'm just so grateful. You know, I I would have not had i would have not given my life the weight and the meaning and the the effort that it it deserved you know like my wife's about to quit her job like forever i mean and i don't even know how i'm really going to pay for it but like she has tons of projects you know but Mm -hmm. like and that's completely due to what you you all are doing seriously um because it's just so powerful it's so powerful and so I want to thank you for that, for giving me more responsibility that is like making me stronger and uh, for giving me the reverence to appreciate the women, even the women that aren't around anymore. I can I can respect them like posthumously. And it's yeah. really it's really powerful, especially at the brink of maybe starting a family. Um, so all that to say, if you have any comments or whatever, but all that to say, you know, what do what do you think? What kind of a man? Do, what kind of men do we need? Right now? What do you want out of? What do you want to see out of men today?
1: I think quitting porn is a good start. I think quitting porn is a good start. Yeah. I think um, any men in power using their power to and their money to put that where their mouth, you know, put the money where the mouth is, um, like, you know, I'm thinking of like law firms, like material power, because like a lot of us in this are just, you know, we don't have the money that Matt Walsh has, you know, to make a documentary right. and to just like blow up, you know, like we're scrounging to sure. put together, you know, like a library event, you know, with a hundred people, you know, we don't, For we sure. don't, I mean, we're, we're trying our best, but like, yeah, I think any, any man with material power, whether, you know, you're um, at a law firm or, you just want to support behind the scenes anonymously, like giving money to women who are doing this work is really powerful. It helps us keep going. Um,
0: For like, sure. Literally
1: it helps us keep going.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: And um, yeah, but I think per- more personally, yeah. Quitting porn, um, reading the great cosmic mother, you know, understanding that uh, <laughs> like what women worship used to be the great cosmic mother. Yeah. I think just, just, Yeah trying to find that, recover that reverence and that, um, paternal instinct too, to, um, to protect and to, um, yeah, surrender your freedom in, in ways to, to like foster the family. Um, you know, that's what, that's what like an alpha male does. He, he, you know, he, his testosterone right. lowers when he becomes a father and he gives up his freedom to protect and to to prioritize the family unit so i think um yeah and and then just with the porn stuff is just yeah reclaiming your mind you know just taking back control Mm -hmm. of your mind and your body and not bringing violence into the bedroom not bringing degrading behavior and yeah ideas you know and and enacting them on your intimate partners is a a major um yeah porn is a huge one i think quitting porn for a lot of guys opens up a lot a lot of wonderful things yeah
0: for sure well thanks for sharing that it's it's valuable you know thinking about moving forward and the things to manage in my own life um because like we talked about earlier we don't want to i don't want to go out preaching things that i don't practice myself That that's just like that's alive kind of you know that's that's doing the exoteric stuff without that like that's not doing the work inside first um which is so important because there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff to sort out. And the porn is everywhere, you know, since I have discontinued any kind of content with that stuff, um, things look different. Just like you said, like billboards now, like that looks like pornography mm-hmm. when before it just looked like a billboard uh, mm-hmm. with somebody on it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a huge difference. So yeah, thanks. Um, To go back to something you said a minute ago, is there a way that you would, define for those don't understand what the transhumanist is. You know, I think a lot of people understand what transgender is, but what, what is the transhumanist uh, agenda or idea?
1: So transhumanism is like the fusion of like tech and humanity. So um, the idea that we can be improved and that our bodies are like, maybe not as like necessary, like our flesh can be pieced together and like, torn apart mm-hmm. and we can have implants and like uh that this is going to enhance like the idea that this is going to enhance right. our, our life on, on earth um yeah. so you you know so one example would be like elon like a, of this transhumanist technology would be Neurolink, elon musk's like brain chip you know and he, he talks right. about he's like wouldn't it be amazing if people could be cured of blindness with this you know um so it's always mm-hmm. you know they're always the, the, the people who promote this technology are always trying to um tell us that it's good for us that it's going to help humanity without ever talking about like the risks um and and yeah but i think the biggest thing to remember about it is that um it's like antithetical to nature um it's like biophobic um
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know uh you know it's the opposite of seeing our bodies as perfectly whole and capable of infinite possibility Mm -hmm. and like perfectly designed and like we can heal ourselves and like you know it's and it's also right. like i think of like a fear of death also there's like this um mm-hmm. the transhumanist stuff you know it's like all about preservation and optimal function and like um right but in a way that's like artificial and not actually sustainable um right but yeah they don't really like the, the body is just like a like kind of like a mr potato head opportunity mm-hmm. um yeah it's not really seen
0: it's, as that, that sacred. Right. It seems to be missing the point of our manifestation on this planet. You know, like mm-hmm. I have a friend with one leg, you know, and he wears a prosthetic. Right. And that prosthetic helps him a lot. So I understand that there are, you know, there are amendments that technology can provide to improve quality of life. Right. Um, but this idea that you're talking about where it's like, we're going, you know, our whole, our body is, uh, basically like rubbish. It's Mm -hmm. outdated soft hardware. Um, but really all we need is to update our software in our mind and then get some updated hardware in like this chip or this like external womb or like the Mm -hmm. matrix type plug and play, you know? And Mm -hmm. And that that stuff didn't used to really bother me so much, but the more that I I learn about kind of this idea of like uh, th- how we are spiritual beings manifesting in a as a physical realm, you know, and what I've heard a lot lately from people I've been listening to is some some people think that we are completely this is totally just earthly and spiritual is like comes later, or maybe spiritual doesn't exist at all. If you're like super Mm -hmm. atheistic or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then other people are like, all that matters is the spiritual. So we're just going to be like, woo woo. Mm -hmm. And the physical doesn't matter Mm -hmm. at all. Um, But you know, what I'm coming to believe is that the physical and spiritual manifestation, you know, the heaven and earth and all that is happening right now at, at all of our moments. You know, we, we can access the spiritual, And magical realms of our existence right now in our physical bodies which Mm -hmm. like you're talking about the transhumanists they're like we can heal ourselves it's Mm -hmm. like we'll talk to these communities that have been healing themselves with their mind and their food for like since the beginning of humanity right Mm -hmm. or it's like think about what if we could like connect your brain to the internet or whatever it's like well people have been finding uh ways to connect with supernatural experiences with Mm -hmm. their own body and it it's scary. It reminds me of the uh, it's scary because it it disconnects us from our our true magic, you know, and it you mentioned a minute ago about how like porn brings violence and degradation into the bedroom. And that type of idea where you need we need so much more than what we have. Like I said, just having Mm -hmm. two people in love having like Mm -hmm. a seriously intimate and sincere moment with like peace and, you know, love. Mm -hmm. Those people would be like, maybe they're almost like completely still Mm -hmm. where the pornified version of like making love would be like insane looking like, you know, or it's just like violent or there's no connection Um, Mm -hmm. because people think that we need so much more when really just like the transhumanists, when really if we could just find ways to reconnect within ourselves and our humanity Yeah, because our humanity is magical um i'm just kind of rambling but yeah
1: for sure yeah yeah that that there's infinite possibilities but i like what you said like you know there's this fast this fixation fascination with like this chip and that chip and wouldn't it be cool if our body could do this and it's like there's already so much that we can do without all of that that's like right tapped yeah. by yeah. most people yeah that we that we are the mm-hmm. infinite techn- we already have the infinite technology um and yeah, yeah it's such as but there's no like money in that
0: i mean right some... exactly it's like how how could we think that we've already ta- like i, I watch every now and then i'll see an instagram video with some kid on his iphone he does something on his phone i'm like i didn't know my phone could do that i've had an iphone mm. so it's like for a million years, and I didn't know. I don't even know ninety percent of the functions that my MacBook has. Right, and people think the same with our body. It's like, well, you know, my consciousness. Oh well, we maxed it out as if it's like I don't know, like mm-hmm. a screwdriver or something. Where you are just like, well, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, it's it's done. Um, yeah, it's so funny because you are right about the you know the transgender identity, You can it really ties into everything when considering even our humanity and stuff. Um. Mm -hmm. Mm uh okay so when i i would like to ask you what kind of advice or wisdom you might have to share for those of us who want to speak more truth and to be honest we're just like afraid because you know our jobs at stake our family our friends Mm -hmm. blah 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 like yeah do you have anything to say about that
1: yeah, I would say like start small. Like if you if you can't lose your job right now, you can't lose your job right now, you know. Like could get it. Um, I would say, I would start small. I would, I would say start having conversations with people you trust. Start start easy. Like maybe start with a grandparent or a parent. You know, someone of another generation who might um, just validate. You know, your your fir- your first like yeah. practice at, at just talking about it. Um, and I think you know, gathering in person with people regularly is important. Like if you have a social group, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, once people get it, they get it and they can't stop talking about it. Like that's the good thing. I feel like it's like the awakening to it is kind of contagious in, in, in some ways too. And I'd like it to be more contagious than the actual, you know, like contamination of the, that the ideology Mm -hmm. brings. Um, and, Yeah, so I think if if you're, if you're, if you want to stay anonymous, you know, um, leaving comments on YouTube channels too, I think is, it sounds, it sounds funny, but like the online support, the sharing privately, the the starting Mm -hmm. small with people you trust, and then um, finding out what your particular relationship to it, you know, if you're really feeling strong about strongly about saying something like why like what part do you want to play because we can all fight this together in different ways not every you know not everyone has to have a podcast not everyone has to um do graphic design for turfs like you know like whatever your genius (laughs) is you like use that so if you are a graphic designer like offer your services like you know brand yourself as someone who wants to work with wrong thinkers you know so i think there's Mm -hmm. you know you can whatever industry you're in whatever realm you're in you can use your power your geniuses to to um to support yeah other people and connect with other people who are yeah in this but in terms of the fear getting over the fear i mean yeah nobody likes to be rejected it sucks rejection sucks Mm -hmm. um but there's freedom on the other side there's there's a lot of freedom on the other side and like the cost of keeping your mouth shut like it's just not healthy. I just don't think it's healthy yep. for the mind, for the body to stifle and to constrict uh, what you really think and what you really want.
0: Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for that. It's, it's cool to hear your perspective on offering support in, in, in ways that we can, because I think a lot of people think, well, I have a lot to say, but, you know, and so I'm just supposed to go around wherever I'm, I go in my physical world. Or maybe on my little Instagram or whatever. And that's where I just like kind of blow up my own spot, as it were. Mm -hmm. And most people aren't going to be receptive. And maybe some people will be encouraged to, you know, think for themselves or to. But mostly it's it can be kind of uh, redundant. And then people think, Mm -hmm. well, I'm done. You know, I told everyone in my circle. Everyone on Facebook hates me. Now I did what I could. But what you're mm-hmm. saying is really powerful because it's like, you know, there's a next step. You know, you don't even really necessarily have to like tell everyone in your immediate circle and ruin all your personal relationships. You can support yeah. the back end of people that are growing momentum.
1: Yeah.
0: Um that's really cool. Um, For sure. What uh For sure. when you think about the future, like your next couple years doing this powerful work, and you know, I've seen over the last Year You've had way more like workshops, you know, I encourage everyone to check out these incredible workshops. And you're doing so many like collaborations with other powerful truth tellers in the industry. Um, So as you look forward over the next, you know, five years or so, what do you kind of see as like some frustrations you might have and your hopes for what's to come?
1: Well, I'm, I, I'm definitely loving building the masterclass library. You know, I feel like I'm, i cool. I love the, the educational element of it. I love the, the, the collaborative element of it. And like, I don't have all the answers. Like, that's why I started a podcast, you know, to like learn from other women and to showcase other women. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, more collaboration, more masterclasses, um, maybe more merch, uh, the, maybe more, more stickers. Um, and I think the frustrating, <laughs> this, <coughs> excuse me, I think the, the the part of frustration about this thing is just the amount of time I'm at my computer, mm-hmm. the amount of time I'm at my computer. Lots. Yeah. Um, and I'm finding ways to, you know, streamline of course and do less and, um, but yeah, my frustrating, the frustrating parts of this is the, you know, in, I'm on Instagram quite a lot. It's how I have like really built an audience. It's how I've connected with people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my main like social media that I use and, um, it's been so powerful and it's also very addictive. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's always a struggle to, yeah, to, to balance mm-hmm. like how much i want to be there and like is the juice worth the squeeze you know is the squeeze worth is it and it's the juice worth the squeeze yeah um and i think worth, it yeah. is and i think it is otherwise i wouldn't be doing it but yeah um just more of the same just trudging along more of the same of what, what's already out there and yeah hopefully finding a balance mm-hmm. with um with this screen thing
0: yeah for sure yeah i mean it's it was nine in the morning when we started and I didn't even know people did podcasts in the morning, so you're working hard, you obviously. Oh,
1: my god! I'm up at 5 every day. I'm an early riser. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, my best, my best yeah, working I... hours are in the morning.
0: Wow. Yeah, you're crushing it. Um, yeah, that's that's funny. Um, well, cool. Thank you. We look forward to uh, supporting you more in these future endeavors um, and spreading the word. Thank what, you. Uh, has you. I guess we're wrapping up here, but the last question I kind of have is um, – when you started your show, what how, what year did you start your podcast?
1: 2020.
0: Okay. Well, wow. time flies, I guess. But what looking at, you know, the last 3 years was what was something unexpected that came from your experience creating this platform hmm. that you kind of hadn't anticipated?
1: Hmm. Maybe, like, really starting to merge my, like, artist self and, like, creative side. Like, leaning into that. Cool. Not trying to, like, hide that. or. Oh yeah. Yeah, just seeing them as compatible. Um
0: yeah. and I'm still working
1: on that. I'm building a website for a colleague of mine right now. And I'm just loving it. Like,
0: awesome. yeah, I didn't.
1: Also, one thing I'll say about, entre, you know, just, like, entrepreneurship in this realm is, like, I think with any business, it gets it's it's difficult to find people that are reliable, that are good at what they do. Um, And because I kept running into issues with hiring people based on my content, um, I Mm. learned to do everything myself. Everything that you see that I do, I know how. I've learned how to do. There are plenty of other programs I don't know how to do that I don't even use. Um, So, yeah, like yeah, finding like independence. technically, Mm -hmm. and like in my business, finding independence there, and then fusing like my not trying to separate my, my creative, like visually oriented um, Mm -hmm. side. Yeah, that was was surprising.
0: That's really cool. That's so important. You know, when you think about like all the different aspects of the tarot or anything where you, could, you know, kind of like, compartmentalize different parts of your life, or you identify different Mm -hmm. categories of your life when they mm-hmm. converge, it's amazing. And so maybe you're like, well, this is going to be like an intellectual endeavor, mm-hmm. but now you're like, no, this isn't a creative endeavor. And it's that uh, accumulation of all those different aspects that yeah. really creates something that is so fulfilling and really can light you up, you know, and you build momentum. And so yeah. uh, I, I've been working more on creating more mm-hmm. art myself through writing and stuff. And so it's really cool to hear you say that you're finding art in such powerful and sometimes super, super difficult content. Um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Right now I I'm taking a class from a content creator that the guy I talked about, Mark Passio, who does the whole natural law thing, like to unslave humanity by increasing morality, he has a whole class that is just about how to create media, and so he doesn't mm-hmm. even talk about his normal subject. He's like, just like you're Mm -hmm. saying over the years, he's learned how to publish a show. And so Mm -hmm. now he teaches people how to publish shows. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's so cool because like, it's like, you know, in the future, like who knows, like masterclass for putting on your own podcast or something. It's like, there's, uh, you're building that momentum. It's just so cool, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And everybody can do it. It's tedious work. You know, it's definitely like, I have a lot of Virgo Mm -hmm. in my chart. Um, I like, I can do the tedious little planning kind of tasks like all day long uh, but it, yeah it's tedious There's there aren't any shortcuts to any of this mm-hmm. um, no but yeah the content creation is essential
0: this, mm-hmm. this day and
1: age for sure yeah you want people to like the deprogrammer like Kay hey, Yang like, she, her graphics are incredible you know she talks about wanting to cap she wants the Seriously. youth to be able to see and be like that's I want to click that you know we're competing mm-hmm. with we're competing with a lot um so yeah getting that visual component down is essential for branding and everything yeah
0: man my graphics are just straight trash i just use screenshots so i need a (laughs) i need need a a, canva take a class from her take a class from her on (laughs) graphics or something Um, yeah yeah if if they get to make it but um okay well I guess that's pretty much all I had today, Isabella. But, you know, I just want to say again, I appreciate everything you're doing. I listen to every one of your shows and it's been a real privilege to have you on at the beginning of my new show here. Um, and if you don't have anything else, I just hope you have a great day. And I look forward to seeing what you come up with next.
1: Thank you so much for all your support, Paul, and, and for inviting me on. I really appreciate your 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 downloads, your support, all of it. So thank you
0: yeah right on well uh take care and i'll talk to you soon hopefully
1: sounds good thank you so much
0: all right well that's it for today folks thank you so much for listening and if you would like to support the show you can make a donation on paypal you can find me at mr paul bry at m-r-p-a-u-l-b-r-i or feel free to pick up a copy of my book Uh, recently on Amazon called International Backpacking and Domestic Travel, What I Learned While Traveling the World, a Comprehensive How-To Guidebook. You'll find that link below in the show notes. Take care. Thanks again and grow food, not fear.